the single most boring opinion I could possibly offer regarding the local football team is that T.J. Watt should be Defensive Player of the Year in the National Football League. So I'm not going to do that because it's not even an opinion. It's a fact. Let's take it to another level today. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. TJ's coming off a four-sack, three tackles for losses. What else did he have in that game here? Two pass breakups. I'm sure I'm missing a partridge in the pear tree somewhere along the way. He was unbelievable. And he did that on the same field at the same time that Miles Garrett was letting everyone know that he couldn't care less about anything other than that game being over with. You don't see an average pass rusher get shut down by Dan Moore, much less someone who's supposed to be one of the better guys. TJ just said, listen, I don't know how this vote's going to go, but I'm going to make it so that anyone who doesn't vote for me looks like they're out of their minds. He needs one sack this weekend to match Michael Strahan's NFL record, and there's, there's nothing to discuss here. Defensive player of the year, period. If he pulls a Garrett and just stands there Sunday in Baltimore, he's the defensive player of the year. But what I've found to be interesting of late, meaning more interesting and more surprising, to say the least, than TJ being great, is that he's actually gotten some help. He's gotten some support. Remember, that had been one of the top concerns entering the 2021 season. The loss of Bud Dupree was supposed to be something that really hurt the Steelers. We've instead seen Alex Highsmith mature, I guess is the best way to put it, over the course of these 17 games. Similar to the early version of Bud, he'd been getting good pressure all along, uh, especially when it came to just a straight-up bull rush. The kid is so strong. And he'll find a way to shove his guy back far enough that it impacts the quarterback's timing. But if you know anything about edge rushers, you know that's not good enough. So for Highsmith to put together a couple of sacks the other night, uh, he's currently at six for the year, which isn't a bad figure. Forced fumble, a fumble recovery. He's just had a pretty good season. His first full season as a starter. And you throw into that Derek Tuska coming in seemingly out of nowhere and getting a couple of sacks this month, as well as his own forced fumble and fumble recovery. And the position just doesn't seem as destitute as we might have seen it. Of course, I'm talking about behind TJ, uh, including the steady rotation that's so important toward what TJ himself does. In other words, when you go back to 
TJ and Bud and TJ and Bud, and they had Anthony Ciccolo rotating through, it wasn't the same impact. You know, you'd see a massive drop-off when Chick went out there. This is different. This is different. I asked TJ about his fellow outside linebackers, and his response I thought was telling in more ways than one. Performing well, man. Like, the depth we have at outside linebacker, and you had Taco in as well. Um, very, very good depth. Uh, just continuing to grow and get better. Alex, I mean, you guys saw him all preseason, and just the growth, the jump that he's taken from year one to year two. Um, tell him all the time, the stats, the stacks are going to come, the stats are going to come, but uh, just glad he was able to get a couple tonight. And then Derek, I mean, I think his first sack was a sack fumble against Tennessee a couple weeks ago. And then I know it, uh, it sucks because I want to be in there so much that uh, it, it does suck that it takes away from their reps, but they're so selfless and um, they never complain and they make the most out of their opportunities. And that's why I'm just so happy that Derek was able to get that play tonight. Did you catch his little reference there to Highsmith in the preseason? I did the instant he said it. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. If you've been listening to or reading my work for a long time, you might recall that TJ used to tell me repeatedly, be patient with Bud. Be patient. They're coming. We're watching the film. We're in the room. We're studying what it is that he's doing. We know what it is that he's missing when he gets to the backfield. He is this close, and he'd hold up his thumb and forefinger for me. And it turned out, you know, he was kind of right. Bud just erupted. I don't know that Highsmith is going to be that type of player. Bud is a freakish athletic specimen. I do know that Highsmith has, I feel, a better football head on his shoulders. And I think that even though he'll take a different approach to getting to the quarterback, I referenced Bull Rush. Not that he doesn't have his own spin moves and everything, but he's more inclined to just knock the guy backward. That's a straighter line approach that's going to serve him well. You know who else it's going to serve well? TJ. We have seen on multiple occasions this season that a team will uh, double or chip TJ and when they see that the other guy is putting on a hard rush, they can't afford to do it. Look, Kevin Stefanski the other night, the Browns coach, was being peppered, and I actually mean that, peppered by questions from the Cleveland media about why the Browns didn't adjust to TJ going against a rookie right tackle. And Stefanski came back with one of those we-just-need-to-play-better type responses. Just need to play better, just need to coach better. But he never once said, hey, the other guy was giving us trouble too. We couldn't afford to do that. But I'm going to guess on my own that that was part of the thinking. Whether you agree with it or not, I mean, it, it looks like terrible strategy 
But then when you break down TJ's sacks as well as Highsmith's sacks, and I understand there were nine to pick from and you're facing a terrible quarterback and the Browns line wasn't performing well and everything else here, but whatever, whatever. Let, let them talk about that on Daily Shot of Browns. Where the Steelers are concerned, they got a general hard push, and I don't mean to discount the push that was coming from Cam Hayward up the middle. They really, really got back there. And on those sacks, you're not going to see, with your closest breakdown, a single guy making it happen. Believe me, I'm the first one to give TJ credit whenever he does it. You remember the clothesline against Baltimore. Uh, that's an extraordinary solo performance there. That's not what I was seeing Monday night. I saw more than one outside linebacker getting back there. And th that means something not just toward the now, but toward the future. There are a lot of holes on a lot of depth charts on this roster that need to be fortified. And I understand everyone always wants that extra guy, that uh, Melvin Ingram, who's just waiting in the wings. But I'm kind of okay with where this football team is at outside linebacker beyond TJ. And we'll see about beyond Highsmith. You know, obviously, Tuska needs to play a heck of a lot more, but to his credit, he's at least earning the playing time and the rotation that he's getting. When we come back, just one question. Just one question. Today's comes from Mark, who asks, why does it seem that the coaching staff is so slow to make changes? J.C. Hassenauer was a large improvement over Kendrick Green. And Presley Harvin has already been shown up at the punter position by Corliss Waitman. Is their talent evaluation so bad that only injuries or absences show them what's possible? You know, Mark... I've been talking about that since, well, for a pretty long time now, but in particular since this past summer. The old knock against the Steelers brass and Mike Tomlin in particular was, well, they never give young players a chance. They don't use them. They don't play them. They don't start them until their second or third year. And everyone used to be frustrated by that. Now, with the way the cap has forced their roster to be top-heavy in payroll, some of that's changed because they've had to use young players. And what I haven't liked, and I've said so repeatedly, about the way they've used those young players is instead of treating them like young players who are starting, they've instead treated them as if they're established starters. Does this make sense? It did in my head. I'm not sure if that came across the way I intended. Basically, they're anointing guys to keep using that term. They're more comfortable, and Tomlin, again, specifically, so I'm going to stop saying they, Tomlin is more comfortable 
anointing his starters and treating them as such than he is having young-slash-rookie starters and treating them as young-slash-rookies. And there is a line that can be walked there, especially when it comes to competition. Now, getting to Harvin first, there was a competition. He was competing with Jordan Berry, and it was a very good competition. They both showed a lot through training camp and into the preseason. So let's not rewrite history here. Harvin then went on to have some good punts, some great punts in the regular season, and some that were not good at all. And then we would find out, of course, that his father was ailing, and then his father, of course, passed a couple of weeks ago. I'm willing to give that kid a big, big mulligan. That's an extraordinary circumstance for a young man. And we could see by his reaction a couple of weeks ago, both before and after his father passed, how hard it hit him. So I would put the punter thing on a separate scale there. The the Steelers, as Tomlin himself said, are committed to Harvin and his talents, not because of the draft pick. I, I hear that a lot. I'm committed because of the draft pick. It's a seventh-round pick. Teams throw out late draft picks in their very first camps all the time. That's not what this is about. It's about the fact that the kid can boot it a mile when he does it right. But the other example that you give is the one to me that's just unforgivable. And I don't want to make Hassenauer out to be you know, Mike Webster, too. But he had outperformed Green last summer. And the easy, lazy thing to say is, well, that's because he had college experience at center. Um, you know, he'd bounced around to a couple different NFL camps. And, of course, he was going to be ahead of Green, who the Steelers were trying to teach the position with a lousy coach, it turned out. What was needed in 2021 was a center for 2021. This should not have been anyone's trial or training run. It remains the single most inexplicable, indefensible decision that Tomlin and Kevin Colbert and the brass made. And I would argue that it was the most costly decision. Because another run here or there, or the ability to just Move the ball with a little more rhythm could have gotten the Steelers that one, one more win that they needed. And I just, this to me isn't about Hassenauer being great. I, I can't say that often enough. I mean, I hope he is. That's That'd be wonderful. It's about that decision right there and how much it hurt this team right here. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do one more tomorrow from Baltimore.